This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Relax, compose. Full frontal. Whatever goes, I suppose. So that one of you in the pants, are you in your pants at the petrol station? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's a dog in the pub. Uh, someone in your team is your mate, but they might play for your team, they're not your mate. So they were they yeah. team not mate. Don't you think it's more manly to face the ball? So we used to play football a little bit with Harry, and then Crouchy turns up. Hit Crouchy. That lunge <laughs> for me was one of the best things I've ever seen <laughs> in the Premier League era. Hello and welcome to the Peter Crouch podcast with me, David James. Peter Crouch and Chris Stark are here with me as usual. All right, boys. Hello. What, what an intro. <laughs> Good intro. I didn't expect anything less. Do you need me for anything else? No. <laughs> Listen, mate, it's pl- absolute pleasure to have you on, James. I played with him, you know, England, Portsmouth. We've had some, some good times. I know he's a character, but... Also a fantastic goalkeeper and a good person, so good to have him on. And we're going to get into the football. Um, just before we started recording this podcast, we did a little bit of art, because it only made sense because you were here, J-Mo. <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful to see. So J-Mo painted a picture of Crouchy, and Crouchy, I'm not going to say painted, but drew a picture of J-Mo. And you'll see this on socials, the pictures will be up there. Uh, but how do you both feel that went? I feel like um, I was underprepared. Um, <clears throat> I came with a piece of A4 and a biro and uh, J-Mo had watercolours and a canvas. <laughs> well, hey, you got to be prepared. Remember like when we were in England and I wasn't prepared? Ended badly. <laughs> I, I've learned. Always carry a spare canvas and paint in the back of your car just in case. Do you, do you remember, J-Mo, when um, we, I think it was 2006 when you went to draw the chimney? <laughs> Do you remember that? I, yeah, I do, yeah. I, I said, well, I think, you know, a couple of lads said, I think we'll play golf. That lads would go down to the to bit of shopping, maybe, visit a few sites. And uh, I remember Jamie just turned to me and said, see that chimney five miles away? And he said, I'm going to go there and I'm going to draw that. Oh, and well, good luck, mate. <laughs> and then sure enough, came back for dinner and uh, an amazing picture of a chimney arrived. Where we were in, was it Baden, Baden, wasn't it? Yeah. It overlooked... I don't know, half of France or wherever it was, because we were right on the border, weren't we? And there was this white blob in the distance. And I was like, what is it? Is it a water tower? Is it a chimney? Is it? And it just really started to bother me. So uh, <laughs> me, and, me and Mooney. Did you take Mooney with Yeah, you? we just said, look, let's go. Just get a car and drive down there, find out what it is. <laughs> and then I'll paint it. Tabloids didn't go with David James goes to paints. They shouldn't have been there. Distance. Well, what, how did you, what did you mainly do? Like, obviously it takes a long time to paint something as good as, as what you did. Yeah, we took a couple of, a couple of snaps. I mean, we weren't there long. Oh, was it? It wasn't there <laughs> It was long. one of these things that's kind of like, yep, that's it. Here's a water tower. Great. Okay. Well, yep, I think I can paint that. And um, <laughs> just went back to my room and knocked something out. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and then finished off with a painting. <laughs> This is, this is going to be good. Painting after. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be good. So we had a great chat with Aaron Ramsdale 
about his stats. There's been so much stuff on social I've seen about that Aaron Ramsdale episode. It was a good one, right? Really good, yeah. Um, a new tool in our armoury. I'm not describing you as a tool, Dave. I just think... <laughs> it's like, People it's, have called it's, me that before, Chris, so I'll take it. Look, I'll take it. It's a good thing. You're Mr. Stats, really, and I think it brings a whole new thing uh, to the podcast. It's been good to hire an so analyst. Does. Aaron Ramsdale absolutely loved it, didn't he? he was yeah. Really involved. Are you a stato? I'm a stato, unfortunately. Okay. Bit I boring. Love, I love stats. J-Mo's a bit of a stat himself, yeah. so it could be a stat off here. We could have a stat off. Okay, we can. Oh, Any time. Any day. Right uh, now. One day. 169 clean sheets in the Premier League. Only Petr Cech's got more. So only Petr Cech. Know, what do you yeah, think I of that, Jamo? what quantifies a clean sheet. Is it the whole 90 minutes? The whole 90, yeah. So that one against... Shit, well, I can't remember my last game for Bristol City. It was nil-nil. I got injured with 10 minutes to go. Gets taken off, unfortunely. Disgusting. Well, you, don't get, you don't get a clean sheet Absolutely if you're off not. early. Not the 90 minutes, no. Fantasy football, you could get away with it 60. But strikers but don't get League, goals taken away. They don't, no. It's, it's brutal. Goalkeeping that, is a brutal harsh. sport. That is harsh. Do you think being a goalkeeper with those sort of statistical honours, do you think it gets as much respect as... No. Do you think it should? It's an interesting one, isn't it? When you think of the striker, and if I can try and make a comparison, so um, Alan Shearer scores goals, yep. Crouchy scores goals, and most of them he means to try and score. The occasional one, you've got no intention of actually scoring, hits someone and goes in, whatever. Do you know what I mean? The goalkeeper might not make any saves in a game and get a clean sheet. And it's kind of like, what have you done to deserve this? You seem yeah. like quite an honest goalkeeper because some of the goalkeepers we've had in this podcast are vehemently against Crouchy. It's almost like feels that it's weighted against the goal. In fact, goalkeeper doesn't get the credit that they deserve as part of the team. The I think the problem from a goalkeeper's perspective is how people describe what's happening. So you're at Villarreal and I saw you and everyone was going, oh, really, for the first goal. Fabinho spanked it, topped it, and it's dipped in, in between his legs. So it's not really his fault. He can't do anything about it. But the, uh, the commentators and pundits go, Goldie's had a nightmare. And it's kind of like, no, he actually didn't. Yeah. I, I know he's not meant to... He's still gone for that near post. And I know he's shanked it a little bit. It's hit the ground. But he, sh- he should still save it, yeah. I think. Okay. You that, that, that's where we lie on this. But one. I think that the point there is, so the, the best season was 16 clean sheets in 2007, 2008 for yourself. Pepe Reina got 18 that season. But Reina made 57 saves and you made 137. So that's the difference there. Rain had more, two more clean sheets, but you made what nearly a hundred more saves, eighty more saves in him. So that's right. kind that's of the, the, the side of it. That so is it's not like done defense. as a proportion of to saves. So I challenged Opta. Uh oh. Well, yeah, yeah, that's part of my gang. Yeah, I got to respect him. But Opta used to do this stat about shots and the value of a shot. So and I argued, well, if a guy shoots from forty yards and chips it into the goalie's hands, it counts the same as a two-yard thunderbolt reflex save. He can't be right. I could save shots from the other side of the pitch that were technically a shot on target. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a challenge. Um, <laughs> I probably couldn't. But that actually sounds crazy. You could do this as a Listen, challenge. I'm, I'm sticking up for you here. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. But, but <laughs> when you say you challenged Opta... I did it surreptitiously in a column. <laughs> 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 Opta think this, do they? Well, let's see what happens now, then. Come on, let's talk Pompey. Was this where you both bonded? I first met Jamie, I think, was England first. And I have to say, he was very good with me. You know, he was an experienced... Jamie had a lot of caps. He always looked after me. You know, I can't speak highly of how he was with me in that, at that time. We ended up at Portsmouth. And that team just won the FA Cup. I was walking into a top team. It sounds mad, but we, we had such a good... So, how many good players do we have in that dressing room? But we had so many good people in that dressing room as well. It was a good time to be at Portsmouth. And um, Do you remember him starting? 
we had a fantastic change room. I have, when I first joined, it was very English uh, in a kind of old school throwback way. Um, it was starting to change a little bit. So when Crouchy came in, there's like some uh, Jermaine, Glenn Johnson, um, some sort of England players, English mentality, and it was good fun. Um, if you go through our team, right, JMO in goal, we've got Glenn Johnson right back, Sol Campbell, Distan, uh, Nadia Belhaj, or Amantrori, Mantari, um, Diara, yeah. Cranchar, um, Utaka, myself and Jermaine Defoe up front. Like, it was a good it's team, a you know? Team, and like, it? some top players in there. And I felt that after the FA Cup win, I felt like we finished sixth in the league. Here we go, kick on here, got in the UEFA Cup. We were 2-0 up against AC Milan. Oh. You know, we, we, it was a mate, like some, I think genuinely I felt if we added one or two more players, we could kick on and get in the Champions League. That is how I was thinking. And then obviously the wheels came off and um, you know, things went south very quickly. But it was, it was such a good time to be playing for Portsmouth, yeah. I thought. I mean, I love those guys, most of them. <laughs> you know, let me just say this now. There was, if, you, if he did, Damo didn't like you, he was very quick to let you know. <laughs> I think you just got to be honest about things. I want to bring this story up. Well, you it's can a say it, we can always... We can always we oh, can you can always take it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, so we play... Friend, and when I say friendly cards, it's always friendly. Do you know what I mean? It's never, mm. uh, oh, wow, it's, uh, people knocking on each other's door. So we had a... We are going out to Manchester. And uh, one of our, I think, teammate... I, I always get confused with teammates. Like, someone in your team is your mate. But they might play for your team, they're not your mate. So they were they? Yeah, team yeah. not mate. Right, so one of our <laughs> team not... <laughs> team not mate! <laughs> he, um... <laughs> that's... <laughs> He he was sort of involved in the card school, and I think he went to the toilet at some point on the on the on the journey. And we went right when we get to the hotel, we'll play a game, but he's not invited. Right? Yeah. And got then you. we went in this. We went in the physio day. room. <laughs> <laughs> went in the physio room, and next door the door was open, and inside the room next door was like loads of stacked up chairs, and we're all in there like that playing cards, <laughs> trying to hide from this guy. Hello, hello, hello. He found us. I'm devastated. <laughs> Absolutely devastated. Is this a footballer? He is. I can't go any further. <laughs> well, and- Do you know who it is, firstly? <laughs> well, anyone who played for Pauls for that time knows exactly who they Wow. <laughs> this is the team not made. <laughs> team not made. This is the new Parched, by the way. Oh, I liked him. So he was your mate? He wasn't J-Mo's. Who's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. J-Mo's team not mate? <laughs> anyway, we came across each other at England first time. But what? Uh, how did you find England, playing for England, and your career as a whole? I found at the beginning it was a struggle. Well, you know what it's like. You got your club. You know, talking about Portsmouth and how great a club that was. And I always found that if the club environment was fundamentally different to the England environment, then it could have a negative or a positive effect. And if you're in a bad club you love going away with England. Um, if you're in a great club, then England became more difficult just to try makes, and fit That in. makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah. And different managers. I mean, early doors. I used to go there and the manager used to say, hmm, those mistakes you keep making. I'm thinking, why are you bringing me if you keep telling me I make mistakes? Didn't make any sense. And it wasn't until sort of the 2000s. Then I, I changed professionally, um, become an athlete, proper athlete, and more capable, I think, as a goalkeeper. Then you go in there with a challenge to actually be, be the number one, stay as number one. 
and try and win things with England um, who, rather than just be part of a squad. Who was the England manager that got the best out of you? Capello, I think. Um, did he drop me? Kind of dropped me. Kind of dropped me twice. Ended my so career. What did he do? What Why do I like him? What did he, yeah. <laughs> 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 you see, well, okay, when you said that, I thought, I, I remember those things as well. Why has he said that? But you did play well under him as well. Yeah, I, well, I, again, so it's a really weird thing. You know, you asked about this England thing. If you're, I think frustration in Liverpool was, I was playing well for Liverpool. And ironically, made my debut at 1-2, as I said, came off. Give, oh, I give the kids, there was some kid in the crowd, I chucked my gloves because I had this thing about clean sheets and chucking my gloves away. And he looked at me and it was like, shit, I shouldn't have given them to you. I wanted, I wanted them back. What, because he, he was... Because he, it was like... He could well, tell he, he didn't give want me them. those gloves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had your special, like, had a small logo on it because just in case it got in the World Cup, which never happened. So he's got a pair of one-off gloves. But you didn't I feel he was... A pre- do you feel he wasn't appreciative of them? Is that what you're saying? Or is it just you wanted the gloves to keep? I maybe could have jumped around a little bit. <laughs> oh, said, well, he didn't Jamie, look... Yeah, he didn't look excited. Like, oh, okay, so give them away, I'll take them. <laughs> Oh, go on then. It's one of those, yeah. isn't it? Do I yeah. have to? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're perfectly in your rights to go and say, I want them back, please, yeah, I, now. I should no, no, well. no, like at the time as well. Oh, no, like, no you're not excited. I'll give them to someone else. What would be great if one of those kids said, you know how they're all holding up, like, can I have your shirt, please? And then they can turn around and just says, not you. <laughs> 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 I, you know what? I'm, I'm obsessed with the, the 90s. What was the England squad like? I, I don't know how much I can go on, Bob. <laughs> Okay, I, I think I'd say this because it was it was true and it was uh, indicative of football back in the nineties. But you'd meet the gaffer in the bar at the hotel, <laughs> and everyone would have a drink, and it was it was fine, you know, uh, the hotel bar, so it stayed open late, and everyone was would just drink, and then the following night it would probably go in there again and have more. Is this drinks. international? Do you mean? Or? Yeah, this is. Th- but this is football. This isn't yeah. just England doing things wrong. This is just the way football was. At this point, I am obsessed with football. Like, I, I'm, you know, I, you I, I love football now, but I'm, I was obsessed. So at that time, like, I was, I was just desperate to know more about had the you inside heard, of it. Had you heard of the Queen Vic? No. You haven't heard of the Queen well, Vic? On EastEnders. <laughs> All right. Okay, this, this, I, I think, I'm, I'm hoping someone has said this story before. Um, just, so, just so I don't get myself into trouble. So we'd turn up, they could say, we'd have the, you know, Saturday or Sunday night, Monday night, down in the bar, and then like Tuesday night, we would, you know, migrate to, I think it was either, I think it was Dave Seaman's room or Paul Ince's room. We'd have the PlayStation on. One of the lads would be playing Lara Croft. I, I don't know why you'd, like communally play Lara Croft because only one single person. player game. Yeah, it's gone like okay. Right, I'll have a go. I'll on. be Lara. <laughs> <laughs> and then all I can remember is like smoke. Cause I used to smoke back then. Um, smoking and drinking beer in a room. Wednesday training session. Like as we get warmed up, it's like ah, Queen Vic open tonight. <laughs> Oh, we'll have a look. So is this one of the rooms? Is that your room, specifically? Not or, in my room, no, no. no. no, no. A room. In the Queen, oh, the Queen Vic. Anyone who knows the Queen Vic knows Queen Vic. That's the room. So we would uh, go there for a cheeky little one, get one of the, yeah. And then go and win. I mean, this is the thing. This is an England team that was losing. This was an England team that was qualifying for the World Cup 98. Euro 96, yeah. 2000. So whatever the culture was, it effectively was good. Do you think there's like a, an element of it, like if if it had been like it was now, that team 
could have won something? Like, or, or was it that the team was so together because of that bonding that you had? It's, it's a wonderful question. It's almost like who's better, Pele or Messi? Different times. Yeah, so if we'd have had the influences then that we have now, then every other team would have had the same influences and arguably we'd end up with the same situation because they would have been better as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. But my only worry is that the French and the Italians might have been doing it properly. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you know what I find? Do you know what I find really it's interesting? A valid point, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Touche. I was in a crossover sort of period, not as professional and then professional. I've sort of done a few events with the 98 winners. I did 20 years of their uh, World Cup wins. So I played in this game in France their group of players had the same kind of camaraderie that I think we had back in the 90s. Yeah. Everybody seemed to like each other. The, Fre- re- the French national team in nine- 98? Yeah, this, they, they, so 20 years later, they were doing yeah. a, this celebration game. And um, the irony was that Zidane had a free kick and scored. I, I, I sometimes I don't like some really good players. Mm-hmm. He's one of them. Speaking about Zidane, what about that game he played against England in 2004? Should have won that game. Like, Ro- Rooney's oh. performance was, was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was just for Zidane. Yeah. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Well, it wasn't funny at all. It was really annoying. <laughs> it's a lot of soul-searching. I'd, I'd asked for videos of penalty takers before then. This is kind of like pre-proper analysis. Innovator. Yeah, and I was like, oh, if we go to penalty shootout, I need some penalties. So I've contacted uh, Sky Sports, someone I knew there. Guess, you have you... to contact them? Yeah, because it wasn't done. It wasn't something that you'd go to your analysis guy because you didn't have an analysis guy. Um, <laughs> I was, that's so true. Like, Jarvis and Jamo, like, being so on the stats and well before anyone was really. He wanted to know who, how many penalties this person had taken. And he, he, he's ringing Sky Sports to like, see well, people like, take penalties <laughs> rather than now they have iPads and, you yeah. know, everything's all the data. So you'd ask for a tape, would it be? Yeah, and it was disgusting. It was penalties like the camera was 100 miles away. It was no good. Then Zidane takes the penalty to win at 2-1. We're doing the press interview afterwards and I went, yeah, I tried to get some video but they, they, there wasn't any of him taking penalties. Apparently he hadn't taken a penalty for two years, something stupid like that. And that became a headline. FA mess up for not getting penalty footage on Zidane. I'm thinking, no, I was just saying I, was, I wanted one but I couldn't have one. Yeah, scary game. You always hear about penalty takers practising and it was always a big thing with the national team for me growing up was always... It, it, these teams that obsess about taking penalties, the order of the penalties. I hadn't really thought about it from a goalkeeper's point of view, <clears> that actually you were needing that preparation, arguably more because... You're facing there wasn't the, the volume's higher, right? You know, he's facing five penalties yeah. in a shootout versus yeah. taking one. I think the question is, did you do that as well in the Premier League? Um, Get the video. No, I, just, I just saved them in the Premier League. Yeah, 13 <laughs> saves, most of any goalkeeper of all time. Just, really? Just queued him up. Oh, teamwork there. Nice. Really? Pow. <laughs> yeah. Although, I have seen them all. Yeah. And if they were in the modern day game, they'd all be retaken because I was off the Because the feet. Yeah. What do you think about that rule but then change? There's one for you, right? So if, if I dive the right <laughs> They'd have way... all been retaken, did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so, the so, big stat, that. <laughs> you can cut that 13 down to a probable one or two. But the, um... this, is, this is what Crouch is worried about with his 100 club thing, by the way. He's worried that if we were to examine all the goals oh. and go back as a sort of dubious goals committee... Yeah. That he might not be in the hundred. In my head, I can think. How many of you scored? Like three or four. I think Premier League goals. I think it's one hundred and eight. 
Well, that's right. You'll still be on 105. Yeah, but I, 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 there's a few. <laughs> we we want to go through. I can think of. We want to go through every goal and there's then announce at the end of this series potentially whether oh, how many Crouchy gone? doesn't want to risk it. And my point is, you might have more goals than you think. 108 is fine. I'm totally done with that. 120 is good though. It's, yeah, it's great. But I, so you I, want to find 12 and you don't want to lose five. Yeah, right. I don't want to lose five. Doesn't want to risk it, and he's quite serious about this as well. Could always do the exercise and then just pretend it never happened. Yeah, we could just do the exercise yeah, just, off air yeah. and then reveal it. <laughs> and then reveal so it if it's it all favourable. <laughs> That's fine. It's my name on the door. <laughs> but having, having said that, though, if I'm if I'm facing you at a penalty, like, I've, the thing about Jamo, right? Most keepers, pretty much every keeper that I've ever worked with, right? After training, a lot of lads want to do shooting. 99% of the keepers, no, no, we don't want it. We've done enough work. We've been out here for ages. They all go in, all of them. Jamie was the only keeper out of all the time that I've played who was like, yeah, like you're, never, you're not beating me. And he was up for it. And we'd have tenors in and, you know, he would go, you won't beat me. And it was just, it was just brilliant. And like, obviously facing him, I mean, he's a formidable person to have in goal. And I don't think maybe, you know, gets enough credit really for for just how good he was. He's by far the best goalkeeper that I've ever played with. What was the, what's the big thing, the thing that, that defines certain, certain characteristics for you that you thought, wow, that's why he's the best keeper I've played with? Every single facet of his game. So like, like the, how strong he was, how big he was, how commanding he was, how vocal he was, his handling. This modern day, I'm not sure... You know, his feet were as probably as good as, um, you know, some goalkeepers now. But as a goalkeeper, <laughs> as a goalkeeper, and I'm talking as a goalkeeper, you won't get anyone better. Command of the box we, as well, we, right? We have got to yeah. talk about that. The changes in, you know, we had Aaron Ramsdale on the podcast last week. And you, more than anyone, must see how it's changed. I agree with you. Everything that I did, if you put me straight in now, then there would be a, a difficult transition. Not the most difficult, but a difficult transition. Um, if I was to sign for a club now, me being back then, then it's kind of like, what do you need me to do? We need to do work on your footwork, passing all that stuff. No goalie is asked to pick a ball up and take on centre forward. It is very simple. You control it and you pass it. Aaron Ramsdale is, uh, along with Jordan Pickford, two of the best um, exponents now, I think that's fair to say. Aaron looks like he's making a risky pass, but we know that two yards either side of a player is... is ample enough space so he, he can he can do it within confidence um i would love to do it now because one of the frustrations <laughs> was always <laughs> just kicking a ball and losing possession can i tell you a little story yeah iceland That's what manager. we're here for oh, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me so i'm uh, i'm out in iceland and i'm with the icelandic coach watching a women's game the girl's kicking the ball and he's going to the forward and the forwards are losing every header and i said oh it reminds me of being at Paulson with ben Jarney. So what do you mean? I said, well, every time I kick the ball to him, he never won it. He goes, well, it's a bad kick then. If you knew every time you were going to kick it to him, he wasn't going to win it, why were you kicking it to him? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but you were told to, I imagine, from yeah, Harry, but, but, but it's a mad that you don't even think about it when you're it's playing. Just, but after it's point. like, actually, yeah, why am I actually kicking to the guy who never wins it? <laughs> Keep, then, keepers are the first to run out and start bollocking everyone, though. That's what you do, right? It's everyone else's fault. It usually is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. See, Although that's... I do remember a game at Portsmouth wow. when you were up top. So we used to play football a little bit with Harry and then Crouchy turns up. Hit Crouchy. <laughs> and that was it. It was kind of like hit Crouchy. And there was one, I can't remember which team it was, but there was one game and it was like a song. 
You would just stand out on the left. I'd clip it into you. You'd flick it on, and I think Bell House would run around the back and yeah, close loads the of pace around me. It was brilliant. <laughs> like that, those days, especially like when, when when Harry was in charge, it was like he would always say like, whereas other managers wouldn't say, he'd always say, "What's the point of having Crouchy up front?" Like hit hit me. Some of my best connections were with goalkeepers because there were times where if someone's pressing you deep and you can just clip it over the press, and I can control it and we can play from there. We've taken six players out of the game. Absolutely. And we're playing higher up the pitch. We're getting the ball wide. We're getting men in the box. It's just a much more efficient way of playing. What you're talking about there is the old-fashioned, as as might be seen in the modern game, um, just felt daggers straight at that me the second I said old-fashioned. Terrible, terrible turn of phrase. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But you have a keeper doing a keeper role. And now you have keepers that are a bit like strikers. Although, I will qualify this by saying... You did get a chance at playing as striker, didn't you, of course? Mm. For how many Depends minutes? Who you ask. How many minutes? <laughs> seemed like 15, but apparently it was about five. Can we, can we talk through can that we, experience? Can we, um, You've can played we, up front for City. Can we assess your performance in that um, JMO for a minute? How do you think it went? I won every header. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally won every header. Uh, Is that I, why I, you were I, there? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, can can I just quickly go through the Why story? Why were you there? Here's the story, right? <laughs> we're, we're playing Middlesbrough, last game of the season. We're on equal points. They have a better goal difference. And we had to beat them to finish in Europe. Simple. First half, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank decided to do a two-step run-up from 30 yards and smash it into the top corner. Embarrassing. Some goal. I watched this morning like, wow. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. I had history with this guy, um, and, he, and he won. He won on that day. At, at halftime, Chappie, who, oh, Kitmen, I don't know if you've talked about Kitmen on the podcast. Yeah. He, um, half time, he goes, I've got his shirt printed. What are you on about? And he went, printed his shirt. I'm like, what the f-? And I said, forget about it. Don't worry about it. And went out for the second half. And then with what seemed like 15 minutes, but it was apparently three minutes to go, Nicky Weaver is stood on the side and the board goes up. Now, I hadn't seen Nicky warm up because I was so focused on the game. It's one all at this time. Um, and I'm like, so I started walking towards the, the centre circle or centre halfway line. And then this shirt comes out. Claudio Reyna gets substituted off. Nicky Weaver goes in goal. And I've got an outfield shirt with number one on. The only one in the Premier League's history. So Stuart Pearce's manager. Yeah. Is that correct? He printed a shirt up and didn't think to tell you beforehand... That this might happen. I think it must have... He must have had other things on his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Have you looked at the manager and gone, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) But when you saw Weaver as well, like, you thought you were going to come... I thought I was coming off. Yeah, but so... And then, at what point did you go, like, am I... When did you realise you were going up front? When the shirt came out. (laughs) (laughs) What number was it? Number one. Number one, outfield... So yeah, I didn't change numbers. Yeah, I mean, there, there would have been a load no, of forms to fill is, out. But my point is, my point is, the shirts come out. You surely you don't then know you're going to be up front, right? You don't, or have you just done like for like? You're not looking at the manager going. Hello? No, no, well, okay, and I, it, it was remiss of me not to ask what he intended me to do on that field, but I just assumed that I would just I don't know go and cause carnage. But he actually didn't. He didn't mention to you beforehand that you could potentially go up front. But he printed a shirt. Crouchy had, and this is the, this is the really annoying thing about it. Had he mentioned it the day before, Jamer, I'm thinking I might chuck you up top at some point right at the end of the game for two minutes. 
I'm out for another hour at the end of that training session, practicing my touch, practicing my shooting, practicing my heading, so everything. Wanna... This is one of the most mental stories in football that I just assumed it's, it's... there was a, a mutual plan, like you'd gone, yeah, look, let's do it. Let's do, you, do it with a bit of confidence. Do you know right? how mad it is, though? Right, so going back to my performance, who <sighs> you so asked me the questions. Right. <laughs> I won every header, and I, I think I must have fouled eight Middlesbrough players. There, there was two of them were just two in one really good <laughs> one, in yeah. one tackle. That that lunge for me was one of the best things I've ever seen in the Premier League era. That that was that one lunge. <laughs> What's your mindset? So so okay, let's fast forward slightly. So the substitutions happen. Is your first point as Crouchy put it to just cause carnage? I, this is a crazy thing. It's kind of like I I'm not sure how I'm supposed to play. I mean I. Stuart Pearce has said since, in recent years, that he wanted me to play as a number nine, but I ended up playing in a number ten role. You slipped in straight in behind the front. I'm gonna, I'm gonna link this from midfield. Get it all turning off. Slip the strikers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was something like that. Do um, you think about the moment? You know, like I missed, a missed opportunity almost. I would. All right. So, so Jack Grealish talking about Jack Grealish's role and how he should come in from the wide when the ball's on the other side. And the straight away, I was like. Yeah, I remember that Middlesbrough game. I was quite central. If I'd have coming down the left, <laughs> but then, but then I, I go through every scenario. One is left foot straight in top corner. The other one is left foot back across the goal. Miss open goal. I'm just on your Wikipedia at the moment, and it's got to be true. It doesn't credit you as a striker. What for that That's for terrible. those couple of moments? And there'll be a nerd listening, I'm sure, that can help rectify that. So what, what have that. I been credited as then? Um, as in you, I mean, you've got your, I mean, it's an incredible career and it lists everything and, and it mentions the moment, but I think you should be credited as a City striker. Yeah, for, oh, for, yeah, yeah. It, was only, it was only two minutes, so maybe yeah, that doesn't just... count as a striker. But no, a yeah, no, a I'm, I'm going to step yeah. in and say, yeah, that's a, you should be goalkeeper slash striker. Because I don't think it's just like an outfield player swapping no. position. Because if I'd have scored, I wouldn't have been credited as a goalkeeping scoring. I'd have been a, just a regular outfield well, you player. Well, we, you had a goalkeeper. And you were yeah, one of the. There was outfield. another goalie. Sure. Bear in mind, can I just? Say, I think John Mackham was on the bench <laughs> and, as a centre forward. John, is this, is this the same John Mackham that scored in the derby? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he didn't get a he didn't get a run out, but JMO did. did we you can't blame me. I didn't. Yeah, even know. no, it's not your fault. But did John take that badly? Did anyone speak I, I, to John I, afterwards? I can't remember. I, I've seen the video footage of the um, of the final whistle, and I'm fuming. I don't even want to speak to anyone because we didn't win and Robbie Fowler Mr. Penoy remember it remember and the worst thing about remember it, I'm on day. the left hand side it's obvious you go my side and he went the other way and Schwartz sort of saved it and then saved it again do you think it was the right should decision the from the manager yeah because Robbie Fowler should have scored the penalty and there would have been a oh, it would have been but a also it is a genius <laughs> yeah. move like you know, not telling anyone, and like did that. And if it, if that had worked, that would have been one of the best managerial decisions of all time. Yeah, it just caused carnage. Something but, so but, different. But Crouchy, the, the manager knew about it, right? It was clearly meant to be a close circle. Because even yeah. you talk about the kit man, right? I can only assume that Stuart Pearce said, "Print the shirt, don't tell him." Mm. Yeah. Then Chappie is compromising. He's thinking. I think he's thinking. There's a five percent chance that if we're losing, I'm going to throw Jamie on print it anyway just in case, and he's not told anyone, and it's happened, and it's one of the <laughs> finest Premier League moments Yeah, in a 30-year history. And do you know, if VAR was around then, not only would I have had to retake all the penalty saves, but I probably would have been sent off. Right, so just one last question on this. Um, you played, 
what, 600, Premier League, the most, you'll tell us, Dave, yeah, right? The most than ever played more than any other goalkeeper. Must be in the top five, or top yeah, six. Top five, fifth. Top fifth of most Premier League appearances of all time. Of all the times you, you, you stood there, you must have thought like, oh, I'd love to have a go at that. Or like, and then you get the chance. Yeah, didn't, I wish it would work that way. We played Man United when I was at Liverpool. My court across. And I was, we were winning 2-0 late into the game. And I was gutted after the game that I didn't catch it, throw it and run after it because Schmeichel had pushed up. Then I could have sprinted down the pitch and scored. Wow. I've, I've gone through this scenario a few times in my head as well. The only one I was worried about was Ryan Giggs catching me. But I reckon if I'd thrown it... <laughs> yes, not Giving him a shoulder. If, if I'd have thrown it's it far sword. enough, I could have actually shot from my own half and scored. Now, you see, goalies never do this. And, that, and any goalie that's listening to this right now, that's a legitimate regret. If they've ploughed their goalie forward last bit of the game, stop trying to give it to an outfield player. Go have the... If you catch it, have the confidence to go yourself. That's Boom. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Calm for a couple of seconds. I'd blast it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fucking blast it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's going to be now part of the FA coaching course for goalkeepers. Guardiola's all over it. Yeah. <laughs> if you put music to it, you can enter it into the Eurovision Song Contest. Relax, compose Fucking blasto. Relax, compose Fucking blasto. Relax, compose Fucking blasto. This is one of my favourites. I... Might be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so many. Oh, cracker. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. So, Chris, how are you getting on with the um, listener adverts? It's so important to us, now that there's adverts on this podcast, that we give you guys the opportunity to just sell any old shit. And we said this a while ago. We said, if you have something, now there's adverts on this podcast, why not come on, use it as an opportunity? Loads of people listen to this. You can come on. I was interested to see what we got back. And we've had some amazing emails. I haven't heard this yet. George here, who produces the podcast, has said this is a, an extraordinary advert. Have you heard this yet? I've not heard it either, right. no. I'm about to read it. But this is the first one on the podcast, so it's quite exciting. Hi, Chris and Crouchy. You are 100% back stronger. I'm in the garage with my LaserJet Enterprise MFP M630 fucking huge <laughs> printer scanner, for which I want five quid. That is all I need. Fucking you want huge some noise printer. from the printer. That's a fucking huge lid going up and down. This is me wheeling it, and when I wheeled it just now, I found some killed prawns from 2020. So every fucking cloud has a silver lining. Please buy it from me. What a man! What a man! What a man! I mean, that 
that's the benchmark, isn't it? More adverts like that, please. Like fucking huge lid, <laughs> fucking peel prawns. Five pounds. This is the print of five pounds. This fella should work for people that want to advertise stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're all back stronger. Uh, May here wants to sell his printer. It's five pounds. It's all he wants. Let us know if you fancy it. You'll see the listing for this printer by the time the uh, pod's out. Right, Crouchy, what's the latest with the Laoot and the Brewdog Beer Wizard? Well, there's plenty to get stuck into. Uh, the last episode, we spoke about the percentage of the actual beer and starting the process of designing the can. I had loads of people on social media get involved. Pictures of cans, which oh, I love, good, to be honest. Um, it's been in some incredible designs. Yeah, we've got them in front of us right here. So we've got this one from, from Jem. What I love about this podcast is it's people with so many different skills we clearly have a few designers listening and and this is like a full on I'm a, I'm a big fan of this one because it's half it's half lager which they've encapsulated in this can and they've got the little bit of black at the top there with this stout it looks like the drink so the cover looks like a laout sort of half and half the laout's prominent the only thing i would say they've called it a lovely refreshing can of laout which i think does help the drink along a little bit yeah, so Alex has got in touch with this design and I feel like this is more us. I really like it because there's no professionalism about the whole thing as in it's clearly some sort of someone who's good with design or Photoshop or something but they've encapsulated a few podcast elements like uh, is that a picture of Sean Dyche in the bottom right that I can see? Yeah, so I can't understand that one. It's got 100 cross through it with Sean Dyche. I think that's a that. reference to your 100 goals. Right. You don't want that on the lab, yeah. do and you? And also, what they've also done is, is put an Alsatian next to me. It's almost like this whole can design's been designed to trigger you slightly. Yeah, yeah because there's lots of things. It's like, I'm not in the 100 club. I hate Alsatians. And there's a picture of it in Iniesta. Next to a... Is that parched? Ne- parched next to Iniesta there. And, uh, and, and what, a pie? I think that's pancakes. So he's, in, he's encapsulated the podcast in one can design, which I like. I, I really like that. I think this is the route with it because I think Brewdog have a lot of popular beers, right, with well-known designs. Ours needs to disrupt the market, in my opinion. I like the colours as well. They're prominent. Yeah. Uh, we've got another design here. It's quite sweet. It's... Oh, God. You're, you're in pants. <laughs> I, don't <know> use, <laughs> I don't know if I'd use sweet as the, uh, as the term on it. I've got... This is from Sai. Uh, I think this is fantastic, actually. Yeah, because I... you look fantastic on it. That's why. <laughs> you're in pants. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you look great. You've got, like, headphones around you as if you're, like, a regular Premier League player pouring a load. But me, on the other hand, a <laughs> pair of pants on... Oh, that would be your the... bikini. Your yeah, I get, I get it. I get why. But I look horrendous. Oh, I... I've got to say, I think this is my favourite design so far. You're wearing a shirt that says Mike Dean Slaughter's Chickens. Oh, there's loads of references. It's I've got taken, the Wembley headphones on. It looks a bit too similar to the Punk IPA in colours, but then I kind of like that because people might accidentally buy this. You know, where, <laughs> like you accidentally go sugar-free on, on drinks. Said that you've got Sugar Babe on your top. Yeah, and that, I'll take that. Yeah, but you, that, might, that might be a problem because you lied about that. I did and lie like, about if, that. if that's on a can, she might get in touch and say... This never happened. <laughs> How bad is that? That I never did get off with a sugar baby. It's been a total lie. Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt, which was suggests, says, that, suggests that something happened with <laughs> the sugar babe. But quite clearly it didn't. You lied I, about I it. I really, really like this design because I think lots of references to the podcast. As I say, you could pick up a punk IPA and accidentally pick, pick this up. So you're know. just trying to go with a 
good selling lager and throw ours involved and, and hopefully the, people buy it. Yeah, I'm going for that. the accidental market uh, because I think people who want the low, who listen to the podcast will go get it. We do need a few mistakes to up the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they sell a lot. That's what I'm saying. So we will have people listen to the podcast who no doubt will get it, but we do need some people to pick it up by accident. All right, Chris, this is a great start, but Brewdog Beer Wizard says we've got to make, uh, we've got to do a couple more episodes before we make a full decision on these. Yeah, I also like with some of the designs as well, they've put in a few sort of phrases on there that could be good. Like on the, on this one that I'm looking at right now from size is hashtag brew stronger, which is actually a very good idea. So yeah, all good stuff. I've actually had an email from the Brewdog Beer Wizard. He said uh, everyone's got a couple more episodes to submit their strap lines for the Laut. I know you've had a few sent in, but uh, Brewdog HQ have been focusing on the can design and beer recipe. After your request from the last episodes, I've got a few updates. I heard the request for this beer to be around 4 or 5%. How does 5.4 sound? The reason we're looking to brew it like this, so we can guarantee the best tasting beer, a slightly higher ABV tends to give the beer more body and oomph. 5.4 what? 5.4 ABV Clancy? What, what do they say? ABV, I thought, was a manager in uh, at Tottenham and Chelsea in Porto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he went to Russia after a while, but apparently it's something in beer. We won't need a widget. This drink is all about taking the hassle out of the drink, combining the elements of stout and lager into one unique beer. We're going to make the Laut a simple combination of all the best flavours in one can. I know you've had a few requests for bottles rather than cans from listeners. That just won't be possible. Cans offer 100% protection from oxygen, which is the enemy of beer. Plus, they get cold quicker, which always helps. 5.4, you happy with that? I am happy with that, yeah. I think we were saying 4 to 5% because I just thought that'd be a nice sort of session amount. 5.4 is... is um, you don't want something that just tastes of piss, do you? And when you see a sort of 4 4%er... Because it always lists it, doesn't it? You know, when you go to the pub, 5.4 feels a tiny bit punchy, but... It's a bit punchy, but like, having said that, like, a lager stout isn't... It's a four or five pints on it, or four or five cans. Well, the stouty element to it needs to make it... I mean, ultimately, we do want it to taste quite good. At the moment, the Lau is just an experiment for everyone listening to this when they go out and when we go out because you're just mixing it yourself. So we do have to trust the beer wizard to a certain extent here. Um, who are we to veto the percentage? We're taking the, the hassle out of beveraging, aren't yeah. we? Like, you've got to buy actually two drinks per person. Yeah, exactly. And well, I guess the this aim, is all in the one drink. Yeah, the aim is here that if you enjoy this podcast and you want to have a laout, because it's somehow become the podcast beer, um, it can be made for you. So you're right, so you haven't got to two drinks we're taking the hassle out yeah. of the beverage yeah. Jamie I've got to ask you about the Spice Boys era I know it's quite it's very famous and you know the white suits let's do this properly Spice Boys era I wasn't a Spice Boy I was too old what was a Spice Boy at that what, time them youngsters you know like when you're you know when you're 26 like a 22 year old youngster so who are you looking at name the Spice Boys Jason McAteer, Stephen Manaman, maybe Robbie Fowler. Redknapp. Phil ba- Jamie Redknapp, lead singer. <laughs> um, maybe Stan Collymore, trying to think. Steve Arkness didn't make it. No, definitely not. Nor did Stig Bjornaby. <laughs> and I kind of got brought into the Spice, Spice Boys 
retrospectively, I yeah. was sort of put into the Spice Boys. So was I was, that I down was to, never one of them. I was jealous because it was kind of like, why can't I be a Spice Boy? Obviously, you're too old. Was that down to your modelling career? That was... A... <laughs> so Stan signs for, for Liverpool, record signing, I think 6.7 million or whatever it was at the time. This guy contacts me and he goes, look, we're thinking of doing a feature with you and Stan because you both have blonde hair. Now, I didn't have blonde hair at the time I had in the season before. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, Stan's up for it. We'll, we'll do it. So he says, yeah, we're going to do it on Sunday. Da, da, da. And uh, on the... I've done, done my hair blonde. And um, Stan had... There was fog in Canuck, so Stan couldn't make it, which was a regular occurrence. Because uh, Canuck apparently is one of the foggiest. <laughs> so he can't do fog. 95% he won't, he won't of the time. Appear <laughs> yeah, he's Mercedes. Um, <laughs> foggy. That's that, Dave. Yeah, he really is. Apparently, he's terrible in Canuck. Fine. Um, so the guy who was organised said, fuck that. We'll just do it with you. So I'm like, you sure? And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. So the following day, we're in the car park in Liverpool. We do all these photographs. Da, da, da. Guy called Norman Watson, who is the photographer. I love Norman because he was doing press-ups and like little sprints around the car park to get himself psyched up. Now, the thing is, I, I wasn't a model. So for me, it was just a bit of a laugh. So we did the photos, got on the cover. Then all of a sudden, I'm contacted by Armani's press office. Well, they contact Norm Watson, sorry. And they said they really like the photos. They would like you to do some photos to put yourself in with a chance of doing the campaign. Full frontal. Whatever goes, I suppose. Um, and my thing was, oh, Armani. Yeah, okay, cool. Why not? So we went out to Seville to a petrol station. The other thing with car parks and petrol stations. And, uh, <laughs> Who loves a car park? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so we did these photos and then Norman got in contact with me and goes, yeah, they want you to be, use images for campaign. Wow. But were you, were you then associated with Armani at that time? Yeah, I, I basically signed three campaigns, which is a, I didn't realise, but it's a big deal. I remember seeing the pictures. No, yeah. you're in your pants. Yeah. That's not in a car park. That was in a petrol station. It was in a petrol station. Yeah. So that one of you in the pants, are you in your pants at the petrol station? <laughs> yeah. Because Norman said, look, we need something we need something physical. So I was doing handstands and lunges and stuff like that. <laughs> was Norman doing them with you? Jamie, do you mind just doing a handstand? Uh, Jamie, how did you talk? Give us an impression. Was he be like, so I want you to wear your pants, uh, uh, be in the, I don't know why Spanish all of a sudden, but Norman, in, the, in the petrol station. Norman's American. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, I, I, I actually volunteered to do cartwheels. Did you actually do cartwheels in a petrol station in your pants and that was the Armani campaign? No, 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 no. We, we ended up with a, like a running start. That was just for Norman, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the warm-up collection. That was for Norm. <laughs> well, no, whilst Norman was running around a petrol station, I was doing cartwheels. <laughs> but they were amazing pictures. Like, and, and that campaign, I don't know if you've seen it, but mm. like, uh, you, you look like a model. Thank you. <laughs> it was wow, so, yeah. it actually worked. You were a model. Yeah, rather, yeah. rather than being well, no, a centre forward. you got a three-year like campaign a with Armani. You know, three, not, there's not many professional footballers that have had a three-year deal with Armani to model pants. But this is the thing with his Wikipedia. It just says goalkeeper under his photo, and it should be goalkeeper slash striker slash model. Well, I'm going to have a word with the Wikipedia people. We will. I guarantee there'll be a nerd listening right now that will yeah. change that. We we're laughing about it now, but like it's a, it was a good campaign that I imagine Armani was very pleased with. Oh yeah, they and uh, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> we we were talking about Iceland, Damo. I know you went over there and you went with a teammate of ours, Herman Ryderson. A proper teammate. I mean, what a man! Her, he's. Um... I spoke to him today, actually. Really? So, are you good pals with Herman? Yeah. 
You, you I, followed him everywhere. I followed him everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where are you going? Please, can I come? Can I come? No, great, great guy. This, this is. I mean, he's different. They build them differently in Iceland, <laughs> and uh, he is very different. But I didn't know you still speak. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Herman's um, a lunatic. He was. A lo- <laughs> he was a fond lunatic. I. One of the, he was. He was a lunatic. Yeah, his, love him though. His, his greeting was more like a rugby tackle or a. a I don't know. A, Tombstone slam. It was like it was like one of those things where you just you just want to say hello, but he'd come in like he'd either rugby tackle you, wrestle you to the floor, uh, get you in a chokehold. Uh, it was like literally like how strong are you? And you'd have to just sort. It's like a test yeah. saying hello to him. That's literally how he went about his daily life. He broke Glenn Little's arm once. Remember that? Or just hugging, saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> he got behind him in the chokehold. Just like in the morning before a walk, remember, we're in Devon, goes behind him, gets him in a chokehold, rips him off the couch, the couch goes, and then he just floors him, and he's he dislocated, he's, I think he's dislocated his shoulder. He's a good friend of yours, James. <laughs> yes, well, put it out, if he didn't do that, then there was something up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If he just casually said hello and walked he said in the hello, room, there was yeah, something yeah. definitely was a problem. Up, yeah. But he, um, good friend then. Um, obviously, we sort of separated when I went to Bristol and Bournemouth, but in we still kept in contact. We're in Bournemouth, and Eddie Howe, who I love, had taken over. He hadn't signed me, otherwise I would have never gone to Bournemouth. Um, going back to the goalkeeper, being able to play out the back thing. But he... <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, what was Eddie Howe like? We were climbing up the League One. <clears throat> Fantastic. And I had a clause in my contract, like many people do when you get to a certain age. <laughs> if you can play this many games, then we'll re-sign you, whatever. Eddie pulls me in the room and he goes, Dave, we've got a problem with your contracts. Um, I won't be needing you next season because we've just signed Ryan Allsop, da-da-da, but this clause in your contract, da-da-da. Don't worry, not a problem. Take it out. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'm not dropping you. You know, you, you play till the end of the season. You know. Next game we go to Walsall. Lost 3-1. Now, the three goals weren't my fault. One of them was a foul and with VAR, they would have seen that and we might have lost 2-1, we might have drawn, whatever. Eddie pulls me in the Monday... David, I won't be requiring you anymore this season. Um, you know, if uh, you want to do anything else, that's up to you. And it was the nicest sacking that I've ever had. And I, I literally walked out of his office and went, the fuck has you sacked me? Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was like, okay, cool. So how nice was that? And I was on the phone to her. Great guy. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do it again? I get this phone call. <laughs> get this phone call. It's Herman. Jamar. How is it? Yeah, yeah, just been uh, sacked by Bournemouth. Good. You're coming over to Iceland to be my assistant manager. <laughs> okay, whatever. And then I went off to Iceland for six months. That's literally so. He just he just asked you. No, he told. No, he told me that I was going to be his. <laughs> so <laughs> I followed him around. No, yeah. he ordered me out to Iceland in like one. <laughs> he needs you. Did, did you not? Th- did you think about it for a minute, or did you go? I'm with him. I'm there. Yeah, because that's I, a I mad even, change. That's... I didn't even think about it. I just went. Yeah, really. You just yeah. went right. I'm going. What was the Herman appeal at that point when he instructed you? <laughs> well, there, there was two things. He said, we're in the Champions League qualification. Okay, I haven't played Champions League. That would be a good opportunity. But also it was Herman. And Herman is 100% man, bloke, mm. geezer. Well, how do you define someone who's 100% solid? 
He, he's yeah. that side person. Is it, there's no. Hey, he's one of the, he's one of those that I think we need to get on the pod. Like really, because because you watch him play, and I think lots of play, fans would know him and and, and think you know he, yeah he's been Ch- Charlton, Ipswich, mm. Portsmouth, lots of you know different clubs in the Premier League. So everyone would sort of know him as a as a Premier mm. League player, and but not know the character that mm. Herman is, and like how much he was loved in that Portsmouth dressing room. That's the only time I played with him. But everyone loved him. Everyone. Yeah. He was so, so to ask me out there, it was like, yeah, okay, fine. I, I didn't realise that I, Iceland's got basically the mainland and then you've got this little island at the bottom. So, yeah. you know, the, um, the volcano that went off a few years ago, that's like five miles away from the island, Hamey. So he said, yeah, we're on a little island. I'm thinking, all right, cool. Landing Iceland is foggy. We can't get to the island because it's foggy. It's like... Okay, what should we do this? So we went around Reykjavik for a couple of days. Um, but we went out to the island and the, it wasn't Champions League, it was Europa League. And Do you mean he got that wrong? Or what, what do you mean? Was Herman telling you Champions League? Or did you I, I, just... I suspect there was a little bit of yeah. um, <laughs> shit housery. <laughs> Champions yeah. League housery there. Champions League housery. <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe it was me just imagining that he said something better. Yeah, he's just built differently. Yeah. And um, and we love him for it. But we uh, so just to give you a quick understanding of where we were, uh, the the island's called Westman Island. It's called Hamey. Um, population four thousand people. Our attendances were starting around I don't know four or five hundred people. But we had we had these qualifiers. So we were playing in Faroe Islands, probably the lowest attendance, lower than the attendance of Bristol City versus Crawley at Crawley, which was low. There was one fan there who just kept saying. You're a disgrace. You've let England down all the way through the game. <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it's the, the worst than Raynor. Go back inside and play Yaya Ding Dong. It's like... I've got a t-shirt. I was going to wear that today, actually. Yaya yeah. Ding Dong. Um, you had one fan of you, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, but all the way through the game. Really? What's saying? You've let England down? What? Yeah. And the thing is, I'm that second half, I'm the other end of the pitch and he's still going on. He's come round. Oh, you can play 70,000 at Old Trafford. the other side of the pitch. Uh, 70,000 Old Trafford all booing you and that's all right. This one guy at Crawley yeah. was really doing right. my head. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So uh, we go to, uh, to the, um, the Pharaohs and there's literally, I think, 10 fans there and they were Icelandic travellers who'd come with us and I think there was one other bloke sat in there and we win 90th minute penalty 1-0 so we go through next leg or next qualifier was Red Star Belgrade Tuffy at the Maracana Maracana 34,000 people and um, to actually go into a different country and play alongside guys who just can only dream of playing in England let alone playing in the Premier yeah, League yeah, yeah. it just gives you another value of football so uh, thank you, thanks to Herman I got to experience that Jomo, it's the second goalie we've had in a row. We've got an obsession with goalies and referees for some reason on this podcast. <laughs> but one of my favourite episodes ever, Jomo. It's been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, been you're amazing with me when I played for England. Uh, love you as a person, love you as a goalkeeper, and absolutely adored having you on. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Do you know what? I it's, a, it's an honour and, and a privilege to be here, and uh, I get to take away some wonderful artwork. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes, that's <there's> crazy. <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.